Because of the novel coronavirus situation, which is currently overtaking the entire world, we're all living our lives in a manner which we've never before experienced. For religious Jews, this leads to halachic and spiritual questions as well. I'm Scott Kahn, and this is The Orthodox Conundrum. This is the Orthodox Conundrum on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. The rabbi of my shul, Or Shalom and Ramat Beit Shemesh, is Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik Shlita. For me and for many others, Rav Chaim embodies the very best aspects of a Torah Judaism, which is loving, completely dedicated to God, Torah, Am Yisrael, and Eretz Yisrael, and is also engaged with and cognizant of the outside world. I'm proud to be a member of his shul, and I'm honored to regularly ask him so many of my own halachic questions. Speaking to Rav Chaim and hearing him teach is also a wonderful opportunity to absorb the traditions he received from his father, Harav Aaron Soloveitchik Zatzal. I spoke to Rav Chaim in the Beit Midrash of his shul, and he was kind enough to answer halachic questions about our current situation, to give spiritual advice, and much more. Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, thank you very much for being with me today on the Orthodox Conundrum. It's my pleasure to be here. So let's start off with minion attendance. This obviously is something which affects the Orthodox community tremendously. Some shuls are saying there should be a maximum of 10 people at minion. Other shuls, particularly in Chutzlar, it seems to me, are closing down shuls altogether. Someone in our community here in Mapei Chemes recently, one of the Rabbanim here, yesterday made a determination not to have minion at all and requested the people not have a minion. In fact, I'm looking right now at a Pesach Halacha. I got as an email today from Rav Shechter, and part of it, Includes the words, everyone should daven privately be yechidus, no minyanim should be formed in any venue. What's your opinion about this? Well, I begin first by saying that, number one, you have to ask the question, what is the halacha? Does a person have to daven in a minyan? My Masora is that davening in a minyan is something that a person should do. However, in times of need, for whatever reason, it's not something that you have to do somersaults about. For example, if a person is, uh, is traveling somewhere, right, then he's not going to have a minion. Okay, that's what happens. As a matter of fact, my father, Varun Soloveitchik, pointed out that during the week, if someone has to miss a minion, okay, you have to miss a minion. On Shabbos, a person should be especially careful to daven v'tzibur. And he actually felt that a person should try to avoid a vacation where he would miss having a minion on Shabbos. Once we've determined that Minion is not as obligatory as other mitzvos. I would just add that I myself am very conflicted about what to do here in my shul. Because we're living in Eretz Yisrael, and in Eretz Yisrael, the Misrata Briot Department of Health has not given an order to close down shuls. As a matter of fact, I don't believe has even expressed any way that we should close the shuls down. They just says you have to keep the crowds to a minimum, which means 10 people in one room, some are suggesting that if it's a very big room, you should have two groups of 10, uh, two meters apart. In my shul, the room is very big, and we keep two meters apart. Um, if there's an overflow, some will often outside. Uh, on the other hand, because of the fact that there's this corona going around and it's very contagious, I'm very conflicted. And at the end of the day, the reason why I have not decided to close the minion down as of yet is because... Number one, the Department of Health has not demanded that. And when it comes to halacha, dealing with the issues of do you close down shuls, do you close schools, where do you go? So the first 
question you have to ask is what do the experts say? Now, on this issue, you have a lot of experts. As a matter of fact, you go online, you'll speak to a lot of doctors, people who are experts in infectious diseases, and you'll find opinions from A to Z. However, for people living in the land of Israel, you have to follow what the Department of Health says, or people living in America, whether it's New Jersey or it's New York or it's Chicago, you have to listen to the Department of Health in that respective city. So here, the Department of Health has said that it's okay to have a minion within a certain crowd. So that's one reason why I've allowed the minion to stay open. And the second reason is not because it's an obligation to dive in the minion, but speaking to people, they feel like the minion for them is a lifeline. And, you know, it's one of the things that people have said is maybe we shouldn't go into panic mode. And we have to follow restrictions. We have to limit where we go to. Stopping the minion before the Department of Health tells us to stop the minion could bring people into a state of panic, which might be detrimental. I will say, I think about this issue all the time. I'm still conflicted about it. And what has convinced me to keep the minion open for now is because of the lifeline issue. Then speaking of the lifeline issue, Let's say that Misrat Habriyut, the Department of Health, does ask us to close the shuls. We know they're adding restrictions. It might happen. It might not happen. Or, for example, in those communities in the, in the United States where the shuls have already been closed, what would you tell someone in Avelut who's currently saying Kaddish for somebody what they should do? Obviously, the answer is they probably just can't, but what would you advise them in terms of thinking about their Avelut? So what I would uh, tell people to do or suggest is to go ahead and to do some chesed or to learn some Torah, L'zeichon Nishmas, the person that they are in mourning for. As a matter of fact, there's a famous uh, story, and I'm sure this story happened many, many times, that you know two people had yurtzeit on a certain day or a person comes to shul and he has yurtzeit for his father or for his mother or he is a chiv, and he felt very close to his father and he never missed davening for the Amud. And in that shul that day comes somebody that uh, you know has to have say Kaddish for his for his great uncle, you know, and he says, "I need the Ahmed, I need the Davin." And the other person said, "Okay, fine, you can have the Ahmed." And he told somebody later on, "The schus that I was able to maintain a spirit of shalom is a much bigger schus for my parent than I would have wrought for them if I had if I had Davin or Ahmed in the chasm that day." And I think that's something to keep in mind. That and, and that, by the way, I think applies all the time. We have to always keep that in mind, that saying Kaddish is something which is done, it's true, but really you bring a bigger schus to the neshamas that departed by acting in a proper manner. I would suggest to do a certain chesed, of course, within the guidelines of the Department of Health, or to learn something extra. I would just uh, tell a story. Unfortunately, a cousin of mine, uh, who was in the 60s, just passed away. He had a very small funeral in Israel. This is before the whole corona outbreak. And I have a chavrus of my son every day learning daf yomi on the telephone. And uh, there was a delay at the airport. That has to do, I think, with uh, the, the elections and the government is not running. And they let us know that uh, the Aaron would be there in an hour and a half. I got to the, to the cemetery an hour and a half early, two hours early. Okay, so I said, okay, great. I can learn with my son. I called him up. And outside the cemetery of Harazesim, I went to learn. I was learning with my son, the Dafyomi. Then they all decided that since we're in Harazesim and the family plots of the whole family, my parents, my uncles and aunts, let's all go to the cemetery and let's go uh, visit the graves of, of everybody. And they, there I was sitting outside and someone said to me, Chaim, come on, go visit your parents' grave. And I ignored them. I stayed to learn. And afterwards, someone said to me, like, why didn't you come with us? I said, if I would have asked my father what he'd prefer, he would have said, learn with my grandson. Don't come visit the graves. So I'll just say that there are other ways to bring a schus 
to the neshamas that have departed from this world. That's a nice story. I think uh, everything you say about your father, that definitely sounds like the kind of uh, kind of story no that, that he would have appreciated. Yeah. In terms of smachot, various events that are taking place, I was in fact supposed to be a Messiah Kedushin for a student of mine in six more days for a wedding in Israel. He's in America. He's not even coming to Israel now. So they're going to probably have a backyard wedding in California. Do you recommend that smachot be postponed or should people simply have a very small wedding or a very small bar mitzvah with just 10 people? That's a very difficult question. And while we're dealing with the situation of um, the corona, on one hand, we have to realize, ace tzorah Yaakov. It's a time that Yaakov, and not just Yaakov, the whole world is dealing with ace tzorah. It's a very challenging time, and we have to respond. I would say it's something which has hit not just the world, not just the Jewish community, but from what we've heard, it's hit the religious Jewish community in a very strong way. And uh, on one hand, we have to limit our activities. And our activities are in terms of going out, of vacations, our leisurely activities. On the other hand, we still have to be very positive and we still have to feel that life goes on and we have to look towards the future. And I think that for a wedding, what I would suggest is that there's no greater, greater example of living towards the future than actually have a wedding and letting a chasen and kala get together and start the married life together and they should have a small ceremony, a small chuppah, of a small meal, whether it's 10 people or 20 people, whatever the Misrata Briot says. And then later on, they can have a big suda where people can come. And after this is over, people can come and people can celebrate with them. And I, I didn't look this up, but I believe the Gemara Suva says that discussing when you say a simchimimon, I didn't look up, but Gemara certainly says that if you have a wedding, a meal within the year of the chasana, there are certain things you can say because it celebrates the chasna. So they can have a celebration in three months, in four months, in two months. But I believe it's very important to have a wedding. And I would assume that most chasanim and kalos want to get married and want to start. And there's nothing more beautiful than a ceremony. And the beauty of the ceremony really is experienced in the most positive way by the chasan and kala and by the parents of the chasan, the parents of the kala. And I think that they should go ahead and they should have the chasana, you know, right away the way it's supposed to be, as long as it's within the guidelines of the Misrata Briyut, Parliament of Health. I would just add, in terms of bar mitzvah, the same idea. I think the fact that a boy becomes bar mitzvah is something to be celebrated. And a bar mitzvah also can be celebrated later on also. She had the bar mitzvah, she do something small for the family, and then three, four, five months, two months, one month, they can have a big suda. The Yam Shlomo says that a bachar bar mitzvah, someone becomes bar mitzvah, if he has the celebration before the bar mitzvah or after the bar mitzvah, it would be called the sudas mitzvah if he says the dvar Torah. However, on the day, you don't need a dvar Torah. So you see that you can have a celebration three, four months afterwards and it would still be a sudas mitzvah. I became bar mitzvah in Erev Yom Kippur and because Erev Yom Kippur is not the best time to have uh, a big meal, I had a simple meal with my family, my siblings, my parents, and that was it until Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan, which was about three weeks later. We had for everybody, it's the same thing here, so it'll be three weeks, five weeks, both situations. We can have a small celebration now, and then you can have a bigger celebration later on. And let me give you a case that came up actually today. Somebody asked me about this. I'm curious what you would say about this. He was invited to a wedding, and they decided to really constrict the number of guests. However... They weren't constricting it exactly according to health ministry guidelines. They're going to have 40 people there. My thought was you shouldn't go because you're actually 
helping people do something which is really wrong. Only having 40 people, it sounds like a small wedding, but I mean, still, we're not allowed to have 40 people, as you mentioned. Even 20 people is sort of a bidieved. If you have a bit, very big room, perhaps, and surely you can have you can have 20 people. Would you agree with that, that you really shouldn't I, do that? I, I agree that a person should not attend an event which is not according to the Ministry of Health Guidelines. I was just there, I don't know if you saw, but on Arut Sheva I saw that America's a Rav. I don't know if you saw, they have a, a, a square there, and there's a chuppah, and there are people, boys standing, and maybe some girls standing on various porches. So you can have actually a large number of people. I say very large, I say 50 people, 60 people, who are actually singing and dancing, and keeping within the guidelines, at least the guidelines that existed, existed until today. Right. So some rabbis in the past couple of days in certain sectors of the Orthodox world have suggested that yeshivot should remain open despite the regulations of Misrat Habriyut. You know, Torah learning would trump all. And of course, as a belief, we accept that, but it also caused some controversy. I should mention that that same sector of the population has agreed, at least in principle, to try and reduce classrooms to only 10 students per classroom. So it seems that they've come to some sort of compromise altogether What's your opinion about this? I would just say that I don't understand it. At any time, a Rav has a Shaila, a medical Shaila, a Shaila in economics, a Shaila in engineering, a Rav, a Posek, can't paskin unless he's able, he understands the situation. And first, the Rav has to go ahead and speak to the experts that are involved. As a matter of fact, I remember many years ago, my father gave a shear why Yeshiva University had started a whole lectures of Shurim and Torah Mada, the importance of learning science along with Torah. And one of the reasons why it was important for an expert to understand science was because how can a Rav Paskin or Shaila, which involves scientific theories and uh, scientific knowledge or medical knowledge or uh, engineering, without understanding at least some of the mechanics behind it? And he added that, you know, someone like Ramosha Feinstein, he can speak to an expert. And then Moshe Feinstein was so bright and so immersed in Torah, he was able to speak to an expert and he was able to understand what was going on by speaking to the experts and then Paskin. So for example, I remember hearing when there was the case that the Siamese twins, I think they were joined at the head or maybe the spine, I forgot. So Moshe sat for many hours with doctors, specialists in the field before he came to Psaqalacha. So first thing I would say is that when an issue like this comes up, any Rav who's going to paskin, any Gadol, I think, should sit and speak to the experts. Now, who are the experts here? So first of all, I would say, and I don't necessarily know that he's an expert in this issue, but he has people working under him. I think uh, Rabbi Litzman, the, the Minister of Health. So he is the one who's very behind the issues, and he should be invited to speak to the Gadol Torah. If, you, if you're not listening, talking to the experts, and just to people who are, who, who are coming and saying what, how they see the facts, I think that's problematic. I don't understand it. And even after that, we have to ask ourselves, is someone who's not in the medical field, are they able to go ahead and say, well, we just have Vitochan and Torah. I don't believe that that's necessarily the approach we have to have. As a matter of fact, I don't have a chumash open in front of me, but in Parshish B'Shalach, when Moshe and Am Yisrael crying to Kodesh Baruch Hu, so Kodesh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, like, what are you doing? Just go. Go into the Yam, right? And the Tziv says, There's a time to daven, and there's a time not to daven. Right now, the time is to go into the yam.
That's the message. I think that, yes, davening is very important, extremely important, and learning Torah is extremely important. And people, I think, especially at times like this, have to increase their limit at Torah at home to try to find times. Shurim that can't go on now should be arranged through Zoom or, or WhatsApp or Facebook. But when we make, we make a decision, it has to be based on what the expert professionals say. And I have a very hard time when people just go ahead blindly and say, well, we have to have bitachon. We have to bitachon. I remember, I think, at the time of the Persian, one of the Persian Gulf's War, Ravel Yashav was very firm, remember correctly. People, when there's a siren, should go into the into the mamad and close the doors. And I would just say, I was listening to a shir from Ravelia Brudni this morning that he gave last night, Rashiv of the Mir in Brooklyn, and he reiterated how important it is to follow the guidelines of the Department of Health. So, in that case, given what you just mentioned. Could you give some recommendations of what people in our communities can do during what might be some ex- unexpected free time in their homes? Obviously learning, but what, what would you say they should do with this extra time if they do have extra time? Well, number one, it's a great time to start cleaning for Pesach, okay? As a matter of fact, uh, before the stores close, we went out, I shouldn't say we, my wife went out and bought paint, and you know we're going to paint the house for Pesach. Okay. We're going we're, we're to be stuck there for a few days, uh, and that's a great family activity. And I think it's important to spend time with the family. And that's very challenging because even though we might be locked up in our houses or around our houses, we know that everyone has phones, everyone has internet, and we have to try to find the time to have family activities, activities together. I would even say that if you feel that your children feel drawn to the internet, have an activity with them on the internet also. Obviously, my impression is there are no sports games to watch right now. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but you can do something. Try to spend time with the family. All those tasks that you were waiting to do and have time for, now's the time to go ahead and do it. Um, you know, I, I had bought new tzitzis a, month, a number of months ago to make a new pair of tzitzis, which my son was supposed to do. Then he started university and just never got around to it. So a son who was in Hebrew university, he, so he said to me, okay, he says, now I'll make the tzitzis for you. So, so I would say family time and also get ready for Pesach and those, those tasks. It's in your bucket list. Try to go ahead and do it. You know, that leads to a different issue that it's great to spend time with the family. And that really is an option. Of course, after a couple of days, you might want, to, might want to kill each other. But, you know, you do your best. There's still people who are elderly, people living alone. And now at this time, it's almost ironic when they are most at risk we can't even visit them. We can't really come close to them in any really practical way. What would you recommend that people do about the lonely and the elderly in the community who are by themselves and can't really invite to our houses in a classic way? Well, if it's somebody that you know, first I'll certainly call them up, right? And obviously you have to follow what the Department of Health says. There's no question. It's very important. Depending how close you are, having FaceTime with them, discussing with them, uh, especially if it's a family member, you know, try to go ahead and keep them busy, give them ideas. And, you know, even if it's someone who you're very close with, to call once a day, a few times a day. It's not weird to call them. They should know that they're not forgotten. I'm sure a lot of people are pretty nervous. I've gone through my own stages of being okay and fine and then very nervous and concerned about what's going on. Can you give some chizuk to people who are feeling afraid, are feeling very, very worried about just what's going to be with themselves, with their families, with Am Yisrael, with the world? Uh, I love to give chizik to myself also, and I go through various stages of certain days that I'm up and certain times that I'm down, and it happens every single day. We have to always keep in mind that whatever happens, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is here. Okay? Now, I can't get up and say that nothing which seems bad is going to happen. I can't say that. I wish I could say that. But I could say is that we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is guiding the world, and when you look at the big picture, 
we have no idea why this is happening. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a plan, right? And therefore, it's obviously important to daven. And I think what we have to ask ourselves is, what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from us, right? As opposed to going ahead and saying, what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from the whole world? Or what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from the whole nation? Where we can speculate. And I've heard many, many, many ideas what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. You know, everyone always has a list. But I think each individual should ask himself, what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from me? And really to build himself up, to become a better person. What should I go ahead and do? As an example, it could be there are certain people who don't spend enough time with the family, who don't have a relationship. Now you have to have a relationship, just in this sector, in terms of learning. So I, I try to learn with my kids once a week, you know, maybe sometimes more, a few minutes a day. But now that my two boys are home from high school, so we have to learn every day. Uh, we have learn some Gemara. And then do other things with them. You know, maybe something I wouldn't do necessarily. But you have to find time to do other things. And maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me, wants me to be more family-oriented. Maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to be more besimcha. I think the most important thing that we have to do is we have to move on. That's the bottom line. That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want us to necessarily stop. He wants us to move on. Uh, on the way here, I was walking. I was thinking in the background where I live, I heard music. Right? And at first I thought... Oh, why is there music now? What are they trying to do? So it happened that the music they were playing was from Nachman Rebeslov, Shafilo Bastara, Betel Chastara. I think that was the song they were playing. I'm here. But then I remembered as I was walking here that I once heard that in 1492, when the Jews were expelled from Spain, the Rabbanim gave a hatter to listen to music, live music during, I guess it was the nine days, I think, because the Jews were feeling very down and to lift up their spirits. And I think the point is that the music was to help them, to move on, to not be despondent. So I think we can't be despondent, we can't give up, we have to know that we're going to get beyond this, we don't know the world might be changing, but we are going to get beyond this, and we have to react in a positive way, which will make us into better people. So that's Chizuk for adults. I want to talk about kids for a second. My kids, for example, have been freaking out, not out of nervousness about the virus, but about restrictions, not being able to play with their friends the way they normally do, etc. So what would you recommend we tell our kids to help explain to them what's going on? I myself was um, bothered by this. What do you tell the kids? I would say I was bothered more over the fact I, I actually said, said to somebody, uh, there are certain times that I'm actually a little freaked out. And I said, does having corona freak me out? I went to see my doctor on Friday because I walked in. I said to him, I'm very stressed out. The doctor says to me, why are you stressed out? And I explained to him and the doctor said to me, well, it's important what the Mistrata Briud is doing, but don't be panicked, okay? And he says to me, you're in your 50s, you're healthy, okay? You don't really have to worry. Take care of yourself. So I said, well, the truth is, that's not what bothers me. I said, what bothers me is that I might have to go into Bidud into quarantine. What am I going to do? I said, even that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is that I might go into quarantine and my kids won't be in quarantine. So who's going to watch my kids? And what bothers me the most is my kids might go into quarantine. And what do you tell your kids? This Friday, when I dropped my kids off at a certain shul, and it was because I dropped my kids off at that shul, I decided actually to have a later chakras minion in the shul because the shul my kids went to was quite crowded and I was quite nervous about that. Standing in front of the shul was a lady who was asking for money because she says electricity was cut off. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, if she's telling the truth, right? So, Baruch Hashem of electricity. And I would just tell my children that, you know, on a certain level, yes, it's annoying, it's hard, it's difficult, but we have so much. We have the family, 
Baruch Hashem, we have electricity. Baruch Hashem, we have hot water. We have food. We have a kitchen. And we can spend time as a family. And if worse comes to worse, you know, as a last resort, you know, for a short time a day, there's always internet, you know, and that, that always makes kids happy. So we have to say what we have and that we should become stronger and better. And then we'll appreciate everything, our freedom, once we come out of this. I've seen a number of memes that have come out expressing the same idea that our grandparents, when there was a crisis, were called to go fight the Nazis. You're being called to sit on the couch and look at your phone. You can really get through this. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, in show last week, you talked about a suggested segula. I'm using your term for the situation. Despite the fact that in the Soloveitchik family tradition, segulot aren't necessarily the main thing we think about. Can you repeat it for our listeners, the segula? So, as an introduction to the idea of segula, I would say like this. And I think there's an important point. You know, listening to Prime Minister Netanyahu, I'm living in Israel, speak about what we're doing about corona and what the actions we're taking, whether I like it or not. In a certain sense, I, I, feel, a little, I feel confident that we have, our leaders are really trying to take the right approach. They are definitely placing restrictions, but I think their goal is the correct goal, and we have to listen, and I have confidence in them. However, one thing that bothers me, and this is obvious, that besides placing restrictions and a lot of what they say makes sense, personal hygiene, where you go, no one speaks about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, about God. I have to tell you that we're speaking about closing shuls, okay, which maybe is going to be done in Israel, maybe not. It's been done in America. And I wonder, well, when will the shuls open again? And it's a little scary because by the laws of nature, you know, it could be that maybe there'll be a downturn and, and the incidence of corona will, will, be, will be reduced and then we'll stop. But the laws of nature, I don't see that happening tomorrow or the day after. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. And we have to all realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is involved. We have to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our life. And that's why it's so important to daven and to speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu about the corona when we're davening because we have to realize that we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu could appear in a hidden manner like he did by Purim, but we have to recognize that it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu who's behind. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will decide how long this should last, right, with, of course, our help and our uh, adherence to, to health regulations, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will decide, but we have to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And maybe today, the world itself doesn't recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu enough. That being said, I felt that the Baruch of Asher Yatsar is a great segul, if I use that word, to help us maintain our health. Why? Because what really is a bracha? When we say the word Baruch Hu, we're saying is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we need to see more of you. You have done this for us. For example, if someone eats an apple and he makes a Boripriya eats, he eats an apple. So he's saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thank you for bringing me this apple, and you brought me the fruits of the tree. And Baruch we need to see more of you in this realm, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that to bring more fruit, to keep bringing more fruit. What is the Baruch HaVashar Yatsar? The Baruch HaVashar Yatsar is a Baruch about health, about good health, how the body has to work. And if one thing goes wrong, so if we're talking about epidemic or a pandemic, as it's being referred to right now, where people's health are at stake, there's no better way to bring good health but by telling HaKadosh Baruch Hu to see more of you in this area to help ensure our good health. And that's why it's important to say Asher Yatsar with Kavana. I got to the stories about people who have been sick. And obviously the doctors did their established effort and the family did. But they also added on, they started a campaign to say Asher Yatsar. And I think that, first of all, we definitely should mention Nor Baruch Hu more in davening. We should take an extra few seconds or an extra half a minute to say Asher Yatsar of Kavana. You also sent out an email to our shul list 
I think it was yesterday, with an addition to put into Shema Koleinu, and it is more or less something which is said in uh, the Amim No Rhyme right before the end of Hoda on Musa, Rosh Hashanah Yom right. Kippur. I'm just going to read it right now. It's Avinu Malkenu, Zuchor Rachamacha, Uchvosh Chascha, Vechalei Dever, Vechai Reverav, Ushviu Mashchit, Vavon Magifa, Ufegara, Vechol Machala, Vechol Takala, Vechol Kitata, Vechol Menei Poroniot, Vechol Gezira Ra'a, Vesinat Chinam, Me'alenu, Me'al Kol Bnei Britecha, Me'al Kol Ha'olam. If someone doesn't didn't catch that entire thing. I'll put it in the show notes. It also, as I said, appears in the Machsor at the end of Musaf of Rosh Hashanah Kippur. Uh, so it's actually in the old in, in Yom Kippur. It's not in Yom Kippur, Kippur, it's all the tefillahs. In Yom Kippur, it's all the tefillahs, right. except for the addition Umeal Kol Haolam, which is right. um, is that is that your addition or your? So I'll just add that I, if you, an email I mentioned that the Rosh Hashiva of, of, of Shiva and Haritzion the Gush, they're the ones that came up with that, and the reason why I liked it in general amongst religious Jews. So whenever something goes wrong, someone's sick. Something else goes wrong. We always say tilim, and it's a wonderful thing to say tilim. I say tilim too every morning in my shul after the after davening. We say a parak tilim for uh, cholim from the shul. People are connected to the shul. I really should start again. There was a time this year I was saying pirkei tilim every day by myself. Tilim is a wonderful thing, but we have to realize that the most important place to daven for things is during Shvanesrei. And that's why in the days of Chazal and the after Chazal, when there was an Eish Tzara, they would actually add extra brachos to Shvanesrei, and they would include in the brachos. And then when I saw that in the Gush, they added this in to Shema Koleinu, I jumped on that for that reason, because this is really the place to daven for those who are affected and for the whole world in general, we should be healed from this Magefa. Do you have a final thought you could give to our listeners about what we're going through right now? So I I would just say that um, we live at a time until the corona started. I think in general, everyone was feeling all over the world that everything is great. Now, obviously, I don't know what's going on in third world countries, but everywhere else, everyone's thinking everything is great. And for example, even in Israel, when there were missiles being shot at us, okay, which, you know, we said to Hillam, we were a little nervous. But everyone always said, oh, there's the Iron Dome. And we weren't worried. And the truth is that we have to go through life not being worried, but we have to always recognize that we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there for us. And we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And as I heard Ravelia Brittany say last night, that why, what makes Yom Kippur davening so special? Why are people have such kavanah on Yom Kippur? or maybe certain fields are shown, because there's a great recognition during that time of year that we really need a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Kaddish Baruch Hu is here, it's very important. And maybe part of the problem we have is we're walking through life and think everything is wonderful, and then everyone has personal challenges, remember God, but here is a message to the entire world. Kaddish Baruch Hu is saying, you know, I'm happy you built the world up and everything is great, technology is great, use the right way. But you have to remember you need me. And there's a reminder we need a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And I think the most important way to react to the corona is everyone to keep in mind that we need a Kaddish Baruch Hu and respond in an appropriate manner. Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, thank you very much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to The Orthodox Conundrum on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast provider. If you like this podcast, please help us out by sharing it on Facebook and Twitter. Please visit jewishcoffeehouse.com, which has been recently revamped for lots of great podcasts, including The Orthodox Conundrum, Intimate Judaism, The Francisca Show, Chochmat Nashim, The Maimonides Minute, and more. When you're there, make sure to sign up on our new Patreon page, where for as little as $2 a month, you can gain access to premium content like Ask the Rabbis, get excellent merchandise, and more. I'm Scott Kahn. This is The Orthodox Conundrum. <laughs>
on jewishcoffeehouse.com.